Welcome to the Cosmos in You podcast, where we interview scientists, philosophers, and leading thinkers to discuss the nature of our reality and the impact it has on our daily lives. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to The Cosmos and You. This is your host, Susanna Scully. If it is your first time listening in, welcome. Excited to have you here. And if you are tuning back in, thank you again for joining us. And I'm very excited for today's episode. So today we have Jonathan Robinson, who is a psychotherapist, best-selling author of 10 books, and a professional speaker from Northern California. He has reached over 100 million people around the world with his practical methods, and his work has been translated into 47 languages. Mr. Robinson has made numerous appearances on The Oprah Show, as well as many other national TV talk shows, and are Articles about him have appeared in USA Today, Newsweek, and the LA Times. In his public talks and seminars, Jonathan is known for providing people with immediately useful information in a fun and entertaining manner. And I would say that is exactly what he did today on this podcast. Now, his latest book is what we're talking about today is called The Technology of Joy, the 101 Best Apps, Gadgets, tools, and supplements for feeling more delight in your life. I loved this book. I read it yesterday and I absolutely flew through it. I read it while I was getting my hair done and it was just so well laid out in terms of like breaking it all down into sections, giving really practical recommendations on what to try, what not to try, all different price points. You know, some things are just methods that you try in, with thoughts, some things are things you actually buy. He has literally just curated all of these happiness hacks that are so easily accessible. So as you know, in Cosmos and You, my intention with this podcast is always to have a deeper understanding of the universe, but most importantly is how does it apply to our daily lives? Like how does it make my day better? You know, how do I improve my relationships? How do I feel more purposeful, feel more meaning, feel more joy or happiness? Like how do I access all this information? That's really what I've been trying to do with the cosmos in you. And so I think this episode is awesome in helping you do that. So in this episode, we also discuss his life journey from a tough childhood to fame and fortune that came from being on the Oprah show multiple times to finally feeling deep joy and happiness and what that contrast was like for him and what he learned. I found that really, this part really interesting. We also talk about the difference between good drugs and bad drugs because he has a whole section on different supplements um, and drugs to take. So for example, microdosing with LSD, which is a big thing here in the Bay Area. So we talk about that. We talk about his typical routine and which of these hacks he uses on a daily basis. So I have him walk us through a typical day. What time does he wake up? What does he do when he wakes up? What products does he use? And I found that really, really interesting. And finally, how to achieve a state of being where you can receive creative impulses and access deeper intuition. So, I mean, who doesn't want that? So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure, Susanna. Well, I'm really excited for today's interview. I finished your book yesterday. I finished it in one setting, um, or sitting, I should say. And it is a perfect blend of 
and we just said this in the pre-interview, but a big picture with practical steps of how to make your life better. And so I'm really excited to dive into it. But first, I'd love to start with hearing about your story, your journey, and what got you to where you are today. Well, I had the blessing of a very unhappy childhood. And I call it a blessing because by age 12, I was looking for a new way to be in life. Uh, My parents were relatively well off, but really hated each other. And then they got divorced and then another unhappy marriage. And there was, you know, violence and all that stuff. And uh, I was looking for a way to find peace. And so by age 12, I was already into hypnosis and meditation and what my family called other weird stuff. Sorry to interrupt you for a quick moment, but how did you discover hypnosis and meditation at age 12? Well, I read books and my uncle was a hypnotist. Hmm. I was amazed that he could take somebody like my sister and by talking to her for three minutes, uh, turn her into Mick Jagger. You know, that struck me as amazing. What do you mean turn her into? What does that mean? Well, he'd say, you know, when I count to three, you'll wake up and you'll think that you're Mick Jagger. Hmm. And my sister, who is normally pretty shy you know, woke up at the count of three and started singing, I can't get no satisfaction at the top of her lungs. And I said, that's, that's like a miracle. Wow. Wow. So I figured, you know, maybe I could transform myself from a depressed, you know, semi-suicidal kid to somebody who was actually happy. And uh, over time, that did work with various tools. My first tool was hypnosis, then meditation, and of course, uh, drugs. But then I started to get into what can gadgets do or technology do to help me feel better. And so bringing you to, by the way, hypnosis, I think we could do a whole thing on. I've had quite a few guests talk a lot about hypnosis and I don't know anything about it. So perhaps we can get into that later, but um, walk us through. So you, you went to college and then after college, um, I know you went into psychotherapy. What was that journey like? Yeah, I became a psychotherapist. Um, Actually, I met a spiritual teacher and he happened to be in Santa Barbara. So I just figured out a way to go to school. And one of the things hypnosis did is it gave me a pretty much a photographic memory. So I didn't have to study a lot. So I could really spend most of my time with this teacher and then get straight A's just by looking at the book real quickly. So you know, these these abilities to tap into deeper levels of mind and higher states of consciousness were actually useful in my schoolwork. And from there, uh, I spent actually 25 years with this teacher doing a lot of stuff, lots of meditation, lots of service projects, and just left him about two years ago so I could be off on my own now. And Again, I keep going back to hypnosis, but I, I was struck by you said it gives you a photographic memory. What do you mean by that? Well, for example, if I read something or even look at a page, I can generally get a photograph of it in my mind. And it's not that useful anymore. It used to be more useful before the age of Google. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but, you know, it was good for studying or, or not having to study a whole lot. But how did hypnosis help you get that? Well, you know, with hypnosis, you can pretty much tap into powers of mind that most people don't have if you're a good hypnotic subject. So it might be you can lessen your pain or improve your mood or quit a bad habit. 
But one of the things that you can often do with hypnosis is tap into more levels of creativity or more levels of being able to remember things, even things real young, like when you're two or three years old. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Again, I could do a whole, I'm going to, I have so many questions, but I'm going to put them on a bookshelf and we'll talk about those later. Um, (laughs) So you become a psychotherapist after college and then you wrote, I think two books by the age of 35. Was that right? Uh, Actually nine books by the age of 35. Okay. Um, What happened was I was doing a lot of meditating and I would ask the question, how can I be of service? And they were almost channeled books, some of them, because I would get almost like dictation of, you know, write this, write this. And I found that the books that were most, you know, came through me that way tended to have the magical ability of getting Oprah's attention. Hmm. So for my first four books, I got on her show and That, of course, led to a certain amount of fame and fortune. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a while, you know, becoming a professional speaker. But I was always looking for what can really lead to happiness? What can lead to more peace? What can lead to more joy? And it certainly wasn't fame and fortune. And it certainly wasn't busyness. So at some point, I just kind of stopped doing that whole thing. I stopped writing books. I spent more time in the spiritual community I was in, more time in service projects, and really did that entirely for the last 15 years. And only in the last year and a half did I have I moved back to writing and speaking and trying to help myself and other people experience more joy. And what shift, I mean, that was, it's a big statement to say, um, fame and fortune and busyness were not the keys to happiness. You know, we hear this all the time. And yet, that is what everybody almost subconsciously, I feel like, keeps striving towards. Um, so tell us about your own experience of the contrast from the fame and fortune to the 15 years. What what differences did you notice? Well, I like to think of it in terms of depth, mm-hmm. you know, that, that when you're busy or when you're moving around or you're returning 50 phone calls a day, it's really hard to get to the depth of peace or love or connection that we're really all craving for. Now, this culture we live in or this culture mm-hmm. we live in, uh, tells us that fame and fortune is the key to happiness. But as you said, if you look at in any clear-minded manner, you see that, you know, Donald Trump doesn't look like a happy person. No. And the Kardashians, I always use the example of the Kardashians, but you have beauty, which everybody wants. You have fame, you have fortune, you have influence, you have power. You have literally, I think that family has everything that this society holds up. And do they seem happy? And I'm not saying they're not, but there seems to be a lot of problems, right? I don't know. So I feel like that should be an example to us all. Yeah. Maybe we should shift what we're, what we're striving for. Anyhow, go on. So I kind of let that go and, and focused on meditation and service. And it felt much more deep, at, you know, developing real friendships where you have spent, you are able to spend time with those friends, spending time in nature, spending time with my wife. And best of all, spending time in, what I would call higher states of consciousness and joy. 
which is really what I think we all want. That's why we want the money. That's why we want the relationship. So we can really have a certain experience. And I became very interested in how not just I, but other people could get there more quickly because I'm kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I, I meditate an hour a day, but can I get the same experience if I put on a neurostimulator, mm-hmm. you know, in five minutes? Uh, now, an interesting side note, when I was 12, I was in a computer class with a guy named Steve. And back then, uh, this was 1972, they didn't really have computers. We had what was about a 500-pound size computer, looked like a refrigerator, mm-hmm. that basically played tic-tac-toe and a couple other games. Mm-hmm. And me and Steve, Steve was older than me, and he was a very pushy guy, very pushy teen. Uh, and one day as we were vying for this uh, tic-tac-toe plane machine, I said, what's your problem? Why are you so obsessed with this machine? Mm-hmm. And this guy is named Steve, who ended up being a guy named Steve Jobs. No, yeah. get out of here. Yeah, we went to the same high school. But, you know, he wasn't <laughs> Steve Jobs at the time. He was... Steve, the you know jerk who's always on the computer and is bossing people around. So um, some things never change, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. I said, "What's your problem? Why are you so obsessed with this?" And he said to me, "Don't you see? This machine is going to change everything. It's going to change the entire world." Hmm. Well, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> it looked like this five hundred pound. Tic Tac Toy machine was uh, not going to change anything, oh. but ends up Steve Jobs was right. And what I believe is that there's now these uh, these gadgets, these brain machines, these supplements, these apps that are going to help us to more quickly and efficiently and more easily get in touch with feelings like joy, peace, love, and gratitude. And as that happens, the world is going to be transformed. Mm. Now, there's a a science fiction writer named William Gibson that says, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So luckily, a lot of these gadgets already exist. Mm -hmm. And most people are totally unaware of them. So I wrote the Technology of Joy book so that people would know that these gadgets, supplements, and apps already exist and that you can start using them to improve your life. I love that. If you can walk us through in the book, the different sections, sort of give us a big picture view. And then uh, I'd love to hear about some of your favorites and your experiences, because you have some really funny stories in there. So anyhow, give us an overview. Well, the book is broken down to like uh, six sections, I think. One is better drugs and supplements. Now, you know, most people are using some form of drug on a daily basis, whether it be caffeine or alcohol or marijuana. But there's some really new stuff that is able to increase your brain power. They're called nootropics or cognitive enhancers. And some of them are awesome. So I I go into like describing about 25 of them and what they do for you. So that's one part. And the great thing about drugs and supplements is that they're so easy. You know, I like methods that take under 20 seconds of effort. (laughs) Well, now, okay. So just for a moment on this one, when I read this section, 
immediately the um, child who grew up in the Nancy Reagan years uh, mm-hmm. comes up. It's like, you know, just say no. And, oh, my God, he's talking about drugs. And ah, I couldn't do that. Right. So that's the red flags that come up for me. What do you say to someone who has that happen? Well, we have to get clear that there are good drugs and bad drugs and that you don't even necessarily can say that it's that simple. Like, for example, caffeine. Caffeine's the most used drug in the world. Is caffeine good or bad? Well, it depends on how a person uses it, how much they use it. It ends up caffeine taxes your kidneys a lot, but it also helps prevent 12 different types of cancer. Mm -hmm. So I think of caffeine as a relatively good drug, as long as you don't abuse it. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other supplements that also make you feel more productive, give you energy, but they've been shown to actually be good for you, meaning they don't tax your kidneys. They actually make your body stronger. Well, you could call that a drug or a supplement, but it's, you know, it's kind of like taking an omega-3. Right. That's not a bad drug. Everybody would say that's a good drug, you know, a good supplement. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole range, and I go into, you know, which ones are actually physically good for you, which ones are a little bit draining, Mm -hmm. and what their effects are. And the reason why these aren't more popular is one reason a lot of them are relatively new. But the other reason is that you have to try three or four or five of them to find the one that really works for you. Mm-hmm. And it's different for different people. I have a friend who recently called me, said that this thing called NUPEP totally changed his life from depressed and feeling bad to like happy every day and grateful. He just is like so overwhelmed that uh, I told him about it and it changed his life. Wow. Well, this is a supplement that I just don't like at all. Huh. Huh. And so, okay, so you take something like that, take that for him. So then is that joy and happiness is dependent on that drug or supplement or does it open new gateways, which then you walk through the door and you eventually are not dependent on it? Does that make sense? That's a great question. And that's a great question no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Whether that be caffeine, you know, try not having caffeine for a day and see how you feel. Try not having your smartphone for a day and see. So true. I know. I mean, I can admit readily I am addicted to caffeine and my smartphone. Absolutely. Right. So the best gadget supplements and apps are ones that are what I call training wheels, Mm. that they help you to reach higher states of consciousness and deeper levels of joy and peace and they train you to do that so you don't become dependent on them. Yeah. Okay. Yet, you know, some things are so convenient, like your smartphone or caffeine, that even if you become dependent on them, it's not like becoming dependent on heroin. Right. <laughs> Luckily. Yes. Okay. So and one of the other things that recently, now I'm, you know, I'm here in, in the Bay Area, you talk about is microdosing. Uh, with LSD. And I know there was a recent, maybe you know of it, was it New York Times or there's a big yeah. article? Was that where it was? New York Times? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so that has become a real sort of underground trend here in the Valley of, right. right, using microdosing LSD. So we won't go too much into it, but I recommend that you people read the book um, all about it. It's really, really fascinating. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of things depend on your dose. Like, for example, if I have a quarter cup of coffee, I'm good for the day. If I have a full cup of coffee, I'm a raving maniac. Yeah. So you have to be aware that not only do different supplements have different effects on different people, but that the dosage that you have can be very important. Yeah. So what I've done, being that I get to speak to a lot of people now, is I have found the supplements that most people seem to enjoy and have the most positive effect on one's body and mood. And I recommend those first. And then I say, if that doesn't work for you, then try these. And if that doesn't work for you, try these. And generally, people can find something that really makes them feel good, gives them energy, and is actually good for them. And when you find that, you have a friend for life. Yeah. And do you recommend that people try it for these things for how long before they know? Once. Really? Oh. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe twice at the most. But generally, you know, if something (laughs) immediately, whether this works for you or it doesn't. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Great. And in the book, it's wonderful. You have all the websites, you have the names. I mean, all this. That's what I really love about this book. It's so practical um, that you can immediately put things into effect. So great. All right, let's move to section two, high-tech tools. Yeah. In there, we have, these are things that have really come out in the last year or two, generally, mm-hmm. that are trying to be training wheels for reaching different states of consciousness. These are things like something called the Muse, which is an EEG training machine, or virtual reality, which is now developing some very powerful therapeutic things, and also ways to entrain your brain to reach certain states of consciousness. One of my favorites is something from the Institute of Heart Math in the Bay Area, which teaches you how to reach a state of what they call heart coherence. And literally an hour or two, you can learn how to reach this state. And when you do, it's, once again, you got a friend for life. And it's just something that you clip to your ear and it tells you when you're getting closer to this uh, peaceful, loving state and when you're getting farther away. And that's really helpful information. Great. So brain entrainment, I hear that phrase a lot. What does that mean? Is training your brain? Well, um, it means that if you have a light flashing at like 10 times a second, Mm -hmm. your brain will actually tend to adjust to that and your brain waves will become about the same frequency as that light. It's just a natural phenomena that tends to happen. So normally we're in beta brain waves, which is I think about 15 times a second and alpha might be like eight times a second or 10 times a second. So as you listen to a beat going slower or lights flashing slower, your brain waves tend to slow down. Mm. And if they slow down enough, you might even get into like Delta, which is a very deep meditative brainwave state. And if we take the spiritual angle here, Mm -hmm. you are more able to access guidance, wisdom in the Delta brainwave. Is that well, actually, a lot of the spiritual folks suggest that one goes to theta, which is a step above delta. Delta is almost like you're you're in deep sleep. But theta brainwave state is right above that. And a lot of meditators who've meditated for a long time 
experience a lot of theta brain waves. And by moving your brain waves towards that, you'll tend to get more creative impulses. You'll tend to have deeper experiences, deeper connection with your intuition. You know, many years ago, I interviewed the Dalai Lama and I asked him, what do you think about all this, you know, neurofeedback, they call it. Mm -hmm. And he said he was all for it. He said if there was a pill or a gadget that would help move people towards states of enlightenment, he would be the first client. Mm. Wow. wow. So, you know, the good news is that a lot of these high-tech devices now are on an exponential curve where they get better and better very quickly. Yeah. And now I own a bunch of them, and the ones I bought this year are better than the ones I bought last year. And my guess is that in five years, this will be a multi-billion-dollar-a-year industry in which you go into Radio Shack and you get your uh, EEG training machine for you know seventy-four dollars, mm-hmm. or Amazon. I don't think Radio Shack's. Oh yeah, you're right. aging yourself. But you're at the Radio Shack's. All my young listeners, that was a place <laughs> we used to go to. Um, <laughs> but right, no, I think I think you're absolutely right in how exciting. I mean, particularly virtual reality. You think about um, again taking the spiritual angle. You think about the power of visualization mm-hmm. and um, how it can affect in creating your reality. So, to use something like virtual reality, how you know, you're able to get yourself into a state where you're experiencing that which you want to create for yourself. Yeah, they already have a lot of virtual reality programs that are help to overcome phobias mm-hmm. and PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. But they will soon develop ways to help people extend their mind's ability, uh, such as changing their brainwave states. And it's going to be very big industry. And I think things like the slow pace of psychotherapy and meditation as currently taught will gradually give in to these high-tech forms of creating the same states of consciousness. Yeah. Mm. And it's funny, you know, the Lord of the Rings quote, with great power comes great responsibility comes to mind when I think of virtual reality, because it can so easily go the way of porn and you know, violent games and all this way. And then it can also go to something so beautiful on the other hand. So it'll be interesting. All all technology is always a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And so far what we've done is we've created what I call uh, WMDs, which are widgets of mass distraction. Mm. And, you know, people look at their smartphone 140 times a day on average now and violence, video games, all that. We've done that. And that's how things always go. It's like the lowest common denominator. But once you've mastered that and you get bored with it, then you might use these technologies for a new type of WMD, which I call a wonder of mass delight. Mm, I like that. (laughs) And I think we are headed towards that just because we've taken violence, porn, and everything pretty much as far as you can take it. and now all that's left is for us to figure out more enjoyable ways to connect because we're so stressed out 
that we are now really looking and craving for peace and love and connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. You think about even in politics right now, I was just watching a Saturday Night Live, the news section that they have. Anyway, they had a picture of Donald Trump next to Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. and they were just showing how opposite these two people are. I mean, they could not be more different from each other. And it makes you think what that represents in our country and in our world is these two different directions. Which way are we going to go? Um, And it feels like we're at a crossroads. So anyhow. We, we, you know, we are at a crossroads. We basically have been taught that the way to happiness is to try to manipulate all the people and events in your life to be exactly the way you want. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be happy. I mean, that's what Donald Trump is about. You know, you want to, you want to be successful. You want to have lots of money so you can manipulate people and, and do all that. And that has worked for thousands of years. And then somebody like Jesus or Buddha comes around and they say, no, the way to actual happiness is within Mm -hmm. the kingdom of heavens within. Mm -hmm. So then we have people who, who focus on spirituality and those types of endeavors. But we are now entering a new era in which not only is the kingdom of heaven within, but we have new keys to that kingdom that allow us to access those things without being in a monastery for 20 years. Yes. Oh, so great. And that what you just said right now is really the intention you had behind writing this book. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Because, you know, things are at crossroads and things could get really bad and ugly pretty quickly if we don't make use of technology for actually changing ourselves. Because if you don't change yourself, then you just end up screwing things up even faster with technology. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really all you can control is yourself, right? So, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah you start there. All right. So let's move to the next one, which is the psychological techniques. Well, you know, I'm a psychotherapist and I find that certain methods are just really fantastic for either increasing your happiness level or moving through negative emotional states quickly. And so I include like seven or eight of those, which are some of my favorites. You know, I collect methods for a living. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a method junkie, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so I know about 400 different psychological methods, and I thought I'd put in my favorite eight, the ones that research and science shows to be just incredibly effective or people swear by. And I describe those because – you know, in under five minutes a day, you can really impact yourself if you learn any of those methods. And I'm good with any kind of technology, whether it's a gadget or a psychological method or a pill or an app, you know, whatever works is my philosophy. And I think people need different tools for different types of people. So I included things like uh, the number one happiness booster, which happens to be acts of kindness to a stranger or friend. Mm. Or I talk about something called the uh, Sedona method, which I think is very helpful, or things that come from positive psychology that have been shown to increase happiness rather dramatically. Isn't it so true that, you know, when I think about this, these are all tools in a toolbox. And I often think about when people are struggling of, you know, whether they're feeling depressed or they're just feeling stuck or whatever it is, they don't realize that 
is what you just said, that there are multiple tools to draw upon. Mm-hmm. There's not do this one thing and then all was fixed forever. It's you use different tools and you use them you know, not necessarily every day, but over and over again, right? Where it's like you have to shower every day. You don't shower once in your life and then you're done or brush your teeth once. Like it's, you, it's, it's every day you do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just to take that analogy further, like with food, you know, if you're going to work out, you might, you know, eat something with sugar. So you have that energy. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, going for a while, you might eat some protein so that you have staying power for a period of time. So different tools do different things. I tend to focus on tools that take less than a couple minutes of effort because I noticed how lazy I was. Yeah. And that, you know, the average American watches four and a half hours of TV a day. I watch almost none, which means that someone in Iowa is watching nine hours a day for me. (laughs) I should hey, thank you, guy in Iowa, because, you know, I don't have time to spend my time. But the reason why TV is so popular is because by moving your thumb a quarter of an inch, you get 300 entertainment options. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Yeah. So most of the techniques that I uh, talk about, and I think what got me on Oprah a bunch, was that I specialized in methods for improving relationships or gaining touch with gratitude or de-stressing or whatever it was that took less than a couple minutes of effort. Isn't that so true? There's the, there's also the, the, the staying power of habits. I think of the book, uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Am I pronouncing his name correctly? Yeah. Um, but I think that's the other sort of, if I think about the roadblocks to a lot of this, it's the staying power of habits. For example, I, one of the things you talked about um, was tapping, EFT, mm-hmm. which I did for a while and loved and saw great results. And I know you had said in your book that you you've heard people have great results. You have had sort of so-so results with it and it depends person to person, but I didn't stick with it. I don't know why, uh-huh. you know, I got great results. Things in my life changed. I felt the difference. I mean, I can't say enough about it and yet I haven't done it in two years. Why? I don't, I don't know why. Well, anytime you're trying to get to a higher state, you're going against what I would call spiritual gravity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like exercising. Uh, left up to myself, I would sit and not do anything. The uh-huh. exercise takes effort. And the same with psychological or spiritual exercises. Now, the problem with tapping is it takes about, I don't know, five to 10 minutes of effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is more than most people can do. That's why technology can be so useful mm-hmm. because with technology, you can often reduce that efforting time to 10 to 15 seconds. Mm, got it. Got and when it. it. Now, if, if you could get over your negative emotions by 10 to 15 seconds, I bet you'd be doing tapping a lot more often. That you're right. That could be, that could be it. Well, that goes into the next one, which you talk about life enhancing happy apps. And I mm-hmm. think one of them was called Happify. And I remember trying that for a little bit as well. But it felt, again, like something I had to remember to do every day, you know? Um, So what's been your experience with these apps? Well, they're getting better. I think that the apps next year are going to be significantly better than the apps this year. Mm -hmm. That's what I see. So once again, something like a Happify, uh, I would agree that it gives you exercises that take a little bit more effort than we normally can do. Yeah. 
But um, there's things on the drawing board now where you will wear like a Fitbit on your arm and it will give you immediate real-time feedback as to whether you're moving towards uh, de-stressed, enjoyable states of consciousness or not and give you methods that take less than 15 seconds to move in the direction you want. That's really where we need to focus. And there's, you might be aware of this, there's a whole group in the Bay Area called Consciousness Hackers. Have you heard about that? Yes, I interviewed Mikey Siegel. Right. Mikey's a good friend and a great guy. Yeah. And so, you know, I did a talk there recently and a couple hundred people attended where they're trying to figure out apps that are the next level that will help people to remind them to use methods that really take very little time and they'll get feedback. It'll become more like a video game. You know, people like video games because they're immediately entertaining. And that's what we have to do to really improve that particular technology. I think that's so true. I think when you, when you incorporate some form of also entertainment and fun, that you're much more likely to do it, right? So, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. And when it's tracking you somewhere in the background, I remember when I discovered on my iPhone that with the new, it was either my new iPhone or iOS update, I don't remember which, but the health app, you know, just all of a sudden popped up and I hadn't looked at it, but I clicked on it and it had been tracking me you know, for, I don't know, a couple months or something. And I had no idea, but then boom, all this data was there. And I was really excited by that, you know, to know just without me doing anything in the background, I now have all this information that I could do something with. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple of apps that I really like. I like the ones with gratitude because they remind you to be grateful. They give you quotes about gratitude. They present different methods for feeling grateful And gratitude is one of the best ways to really change how you feel. In fact, I kind of have a funny story about that. Many years ago, I'd heard of an Indian guru who supposedly had this magical mantra to help people feel overwhelming gratitude. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a method junkie, so I decided to travel all the way to India to get this magical phrase. Mm -hmm. 18,000 miles, you get there, and then it's 104 degrees, and you travel in rickshaw for four hours. (laughs) I'm jet lagged, I'm worn out, and it's a six hour wait to talk to the guru. I finally get a chance to talk to him. And I say, Guru Jim, I want to know, you know, my friend was so excited about this phrase, this mantra. So I say, I really want to know your magical mantra for people feeling overwhelming gratitude. So he says to me in his Indian accent, Yeah. Ah, yes, my child, my mantra is the most powerful mantra on earth. So he leans in to whisper it into my ear. I'm very excited. You traveled all this way. And he says, whenever possible, repeat the following words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. (laughs) I I say, that's it? (laughs) And he says, no, no, no. That's it is a mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. Ah. <laughs> My mantra is thank you. Not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. <laughs> that's great. Well, I was totally pissed off yeah. and disappointed. Yeah. And so, so I said, okay, well, thank you. And he said, no, no, no. Thank you is not the mantra. You must say it many times a day from your heart. So when you eat good food, say thank you. 
Mm-hmm. When you see your child, say thank you. When you see a sunset or your pet, say thank you many times a day from your heart, mm-hmm. and you will soon feel overwhelming gratitude. Well, you know, I was still pissed off, but I figured I would use what he said because I traveled all this way. Right. So, you know, I, I leave the ashram, I get in a taxi, and there's air conditioning in the taxi. So I said, oh, thank you for this air conditioning because it was really hot out. And then I get to my hotel and, you know, thank you for my hotel room. I pay the taxi driver, thank you for my money. And then I go into the hotel and they had Wi-Fi there. You know, thank you for Wi-Fi. I call up my wife. I Skype her. Thank you for Skype. I, you know, and, and within 40 minutes, I had tears of gratitude going down my face just by saying wow. thank you for each thing. And I realized, my God, he's right. This, this two second technique that you do many times a day actually can work. It's so true. It's so true. So simple and yet so true. So I mention that now because I have a, a app on my phone that asks me the question, what could you feel grateful for right now? And it comes up uh, randomly yeah. and I take five seconds. Yeah. I do that 20 times a day. And what app is that? Um, that one is called... There's a few of them I mentioned in the book. One of them is Gratitude Journal. One of them is 360 Gratitude. Just putting, you know, these apps are changing so quickly that if I mention one, sometimes they have a different one. But right. there's several gratitude apps, and I'm not even sure which one is reminding me all these times. Right, but right. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's just called Gratitude. That's great. You know, last night I, I'm reading this book called Resilience. Um, which yeah. I, do you know it by Eric yeah. Greetens? Oh, it's so, it's so good. I feel like every paragraph I read is like, drop the mic, just so much wisdom. But anyway, he gave this quote, um, from Seneca, uh, from, you know, ancient Greek time. And Seneca had said, every day when you close your eyes and you go to sleep, you say, thank you. My life is complete. So as if one day is a complete life. Um, because they said at that time, you really could die, you know, overnight. You get a cold, you could die. And in the morning, you have such gratitude, like, wow, as if it was an unexpected gift to live that day. Thank you. Wow, I get a gift of another day. And so I did that last night and I did it this morning. And it was such a, you know, even though I do practice gratitude on a daily basis, but to that extreme felt, um, pretty profound uh, shift of how I entered my day. So just a personal experience on, on what you're talking about. Yeah, we need all the help we can get because we're so inundated by information and busyness that these five second techniques, these 10 second technique, the technology of joy, all of these things are really needed to live a balanced life now. And so that you find some allies or friends through technology, through methods yeah. that you really can use, even if you're a lazy person like me. Yeah. And I think the other part of it, this is something I think about a lot too, is it's noticing what information you consume. And so with all of these things that you're giving, that's essentially you're filling your consciousness with positivity, right? So whether it be the apps or the technology or the methods or the supplements or whatever, but your consciousness is just constantly being fulfilled with positivity. Yeah. You know, one simple technology, which is great, is movies Mm -hmm. that inspire you or songs that inspire you. Because, you know, the news and newspapers and media 
are all focused on the negative. So if you don't have a way of balancing that out, then you start to think of the world as a dark place. You know, Americans are very cynical now. Yeah. You go to other countries. I, I worked with Syrian and Burmese refugees that have nothing, but they tend to be happier because they have each other. Mm. Whereas in America, there's a lot of separateness mm. and and cynicism. Yeah. And those are two things that will definitely keep you away from joy and gratitude. Yeah, so true. Um, all right. So we have two more quick sections and I want to be mindful of time. They are, let's see, we have alternative energy methods and the body and beyond. Maybe you can tell us of two of your favorites, you know, one favorite from each of those sections. Sure. Well, I have a, a chair. I have, I have a, a chapter called Give Peace a Chair. <laughs> <laughs> I actually own this chair now. It's in my office. By sitting in it, it circulates an electromagnetic wave in a certain way that opens up your energy field and gives you a very deep state of relaxation and meditation. And, you know, the chair costs 3000 bucks, but, you know, soon it'll be a lot cheaper if, if a lot of people buy it. And it's great. You know, it's an alternative energy method. And I have people lining up to sit in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, instead of having drugs, yep. they sit in my chair and get high. <laughs> and that's fun. So that's uh, one alternative energy uh, method. And then um, the body and beyond. One of my favorite methods, I love this method because I was at Burning Man a couple of years ago. And have you ever had one of these like little scalp massagers they put on your scalp and they kind of give you tingles or well whatever. yeah so i read this section and i already told all my family including my kids that we're going to buy what you're about to say okay. because head massages i think are one of the best things i i really feel it's like ecstasy when yeah. i go to get a massage and they massage my scalp and i've never really understood why do i feel such ecstasy when they massage my scalp so anyway go ahead so you know amazon i give the the information in the book where you can buy one for a couple bucks and a lot of people have had one of these things. They look like almost like a spider with all these thin legs that you put on your scalp. But what they don't realize is that if something is, if one thing is good, many things might be even better. So at Burning Man, uh, I had somebody put four of these things on me, two on my head and one on each knee. And the pleasure I experienced there, I could describe it best as Really the best orgasm I've ever had in my life. <laughs> uh, At Burning Man in front leave. of people with just this, I think it's called the Tingler. Is that what it's called? Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. yeah. But there's also these things called acupressure rings. You can't walk around with a Tingler on your head, but mm -hmm. I can walk around with acupressure rings. And these are things that stimulate the acupressure points in your toes or your uh, fingers. And they give me feelings of ecstasy. So, you know, these things are things that cost for just a few dollars. And they have the most intense pleasure I've ever felt, especially when you know, learn how to use them correctly. And why the entire world is not spending their time doing this, I don't know. I guess because they don't know about it. <laughs> I think that's exactly it, that people don't know about it. I think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, yeah. which is why, again, I'm just going to say again, that this, you laying out these practical things, like you just go on Amazon for a few bucks, you know, like it's not that difficult you can achieve this. Right, right. And then there's the subject of mixing and matching these things, you know, just like people 
mix and match, you know, alcohol, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You know, that's yep. a mixing and match. <laughs> and that and people find, hey, that kind of works. Yeah. So, so you want to find uh, things that you can mix and match in yourself. So on a typical day, I'll take a cognitive enhancer. I'll wake up my brain through the tingler. Mm-hmm. I'll put on a neurostimulator. I'll sit in my chair. And it slowly occurred to me that my life is actually very different than most people's lives because I have all these great ways of feeling good. Now, I also have great ways of feeling bad called all my psychological neuroses. Right. <laughs> balance it out. <laughs> so, yeah, we talk, walk us through a typical day. That's great. So, so you wake up and what time do you wake up? Uh, around 7 a.m. Okay. And then what? I'll put on the tingler. I'll use some aromatherapy to wake myself up. There's one that I love called breathe that kind of opens up your breathing. Mm-hmm. And then I will kiss my dog and feel grateful for her. And then I'll kiss my wife and feel grateful for her. And then I will eventually sit in my chair that stimulates this feeling of meditation. I'll put on one of these audio soundscapes that use the brain entrainment technology. So I reach a state of peace through that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, before 9am. So my day starts off pretty well. And then throughout the day, I might use something like the Sedona technique for a minute to uh, overcome negative emotions. I might do an act of kindness to feel better. I might use one of the other gadgets that I have in my house. My house is kind of a museum of of uh, joy gadgets. <laughs> I love it. I bet your friends love coming over to your house. We're having a big party in two days just because a lot of people want to try them out. I bet. I bet. Well, thank you again for all this great information and doing all the legwork for all of us. Cause I think that's probably the biggest thing is everybody's so busy. So they're looking for somebody to curate all of this and hand it to us. You know, you try it all and you give us the best of the best. So thank you for doing that. Well, it's been a labor of love, obviously. I bet. And it sounds like a fun process. I can think of many worse types of jobs <laughs> to yeah. research than this. So where can people find out more about you and the book? Well, I have a website called FindingHappiness.com, FindingHappiness.com, and you can buy any of my books on that site. And I also have free audio downloads as to how to find happiness. You know, luckily I have money now, so I don't have to charge for stuff. Uh, obviously, if you buy the book, you have to, it's, you know, 13 bucks. But mm-hmm. but people can get all my stuff on my website, FindingHappiness.com, or they can get the Technology of Joy book at Amazon. Great. Thank you again. Again, Jonathan Robinson, the newest book, The Technology of Joy, the 101 Best Apps, Gadgets, Tools, and Supplements for Feeling More Delight in Your Life. Thank you again for being here. My pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. And I would love to continue the conversation with each of you over at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash cosmos in you or our Twitter page. The Twitter handle also is cosmos in you. And of course, at our website, cosmos in you.com. Again, thank you so much for listening in. I'm so grateful to each of you to be able to share this shared passion and look forward to seeing you next time.